Alright, let me hear you good and loud, everyone. Take me out to the ball game. Take me out with the crowd. Buy me some peanuts and cracker jacks. I don't care if I ever get back. Let me root, root, root for the home team. If they don't win, it's a shame. For it's one, two, three stretch around at the old ball game. Take me out to the ball game. Take me out to the crowd. Buy me some peanuts and cracker jacks. I don't care if I ever get back Let me root, root, for the home team If they don't win, it's a shame For it's one, two, three Stretch around at the old ball Take me out to the ball game. What a great song. That's Take Me Out to the Ball Game by the Virtual Choir Orchestra featuring some uh, Major League Baseball uh, guests. It's a virtual Take Me Out to the Ball Game. Hello, everyone. I'm Stuart Myers. Welcome to another edition of The Stu Effect. We are Friday, January 8th, 2021. One day to go till the curfew will take effect here in Quebec, and we'll get that that in a moment. Uh, also, uh, you will get to the United States situation. A lot of things to get to, what you need to know in news and sports, and of course, as always, what is on my mind. So without further ado, here is what you need to know. In Quebec reported 2,588 new cases of the novel coronavirus and 45 deaths in the province on Friday. Of these deaths, 14 occurred in the last 24 hours, 
27 between January 1st and 6th, three before January 1st, and one happened at an unknown date. Since the beginning of the pandemic, 8,606 people have died. One previously reported death was removed from the total following an investigation revealing it was not attributable to COVID-19. As of Friday morning, there was 24,553 active cases of COVID-19 in Quebec. An additional 23 people have been hospitalized for a total of 1,403. Of those, five people have entered uh, intensive care for a total of 207. A total of 13,971 doses of vaccines were administered on Thursday for a total of 62,202. The regional breakdown, Montreal continues to be the hardest hit a region by the virus reporting 837 new cases for a total of 78,534. The second most affected region is the Montérégie, with half that, 469 uh, new cases, bringing their total to 31,644. And then Laval, with 237 new uh, cases, um, bringing their total to 18,609. And Nestri, with 155 new cases, bringing their total uh, to 8,941. On January 6th, the province conducted 43,784 tests for a total of 5,121,911. Uh, 5, Quebec reports its testing figures two days after the tests are completed. Quebec has conducted just 30,162 uh, tests per 1,000 people since the beginning of the pandemic. By contrast, Ontario has nearly doubled that, leading the country with a rate of 55,083 per 100,000. Meantime, delayed report cards, additional sanitary measures, and cancellation of provincial exams were some of the new steps the province is taking as schools get set to reopen and amid high COVID-19 numbers that are worrying many parents in the province. With elementary schools set to reopen Monday and secondary schools the week after, Quebec Minister of Education Jean-François Roberge addressed the province Friday. Unlike other places in the world, we have always prioritized the presence of students in the classroom, and we are eager to continue in this direction in 2021 to ensure that our students continue learning, to learn, socialized, and uh, develop under the best possible conditions. We are updating our plan today by making new adjustments that take into account both the health situation and the educational situation in our schools. He said the province would institute tutoring for students and that the first report card would be delayed to February 5th or January 22nd. The first report card will be given uh, less weight than the second when determining the student's overall grade for the year. A bank of tutors will be created made up of volunteers, school staff, retirees, as well as college and university students to support students in need of the help. The service will be free by the end of the month. He said parents will be able to fill out forms for tutoring help. Online forms will also be available. He also said provincial exams for primary and secondary students would be canceled. He said a document on essential knowledge to be taught will soon be available for parents and teachers. He also said he was instituting various measures to help students struggle with uh, mental health issues, including a chat app from their smartphones. We are convinced that the new measures announced will not only reduce the pressure on uh, students, their parents and staff, but also gives extra support to those students who need it most and thus end this exceptional school year with strength. Director of Public Health Dr. Richard Massey said the government is not advising installing air filtration or purifier devices that have already uh, been put in many schools. 
He added that if the school board wants to buy an air filter unit, they should get authorization, uh, external authorities such as the Workers' Safety Board, but the government does not recommend using them. Massey said that if there's a serious problem with the class, the room should be used for teaching or gathering. Uh, should not be used for teaching or gathering, rather. After multiple reports on the subpar uh, air quality in many classrooms in the province, Robert said air sampling is underway and testing has been carried out at 30, 330 schools. The news release reported that 3% of the premises uh, tested, tested require immediate intervention. New mask rules, grade one and two students in elementary school are now required uh, to wear masks indoors in common areas and on school buses, while masks remain required for all students above uh, grade five. For those wanting to take advantage of distance education, the minister announced that computers will be available for all. We can now confirm that all school, ser school service centers have enough computer equipment to meet the needs of all elementary and secondary students who do not have equipment dedicated at home, the ministry said. Robert also said that teachers and school staff will be able to receive vaccinations before the general population and after healthcare workers and residents in long-term care homes. The most recent update on novel cases, as we mentioned, in, in, in schools, published Wednesday reports that there are 259 confirmed active cases in the public school system, 184 students, 74 staff members, and 41 in the private school system, 29 students, and 12 staff members. The total of, uh, number of schools that report at least one positive case is 199. From the beginning of the school year, the December 22nd, 2020, the province reported 21,410 positive cases, 17,372 students, 4,038 parents in both public and private schools. Many voices, uh, many voices have criticized the government's decision to reopen the schools as COVID-19 cases rise. If any, if any thought Quebec Nurses Union would be annoyed that the government is asking 2,000 undergraduate students to work among them full-time this semester without regular pay, they'd be wrong. One major union says nurses are very under very serious strain with a dire need for help. Every day there's people crying at work, crying in the car. The union reps are telling us they've never seen it so bad with their members, uh, said Denis Joseph, vice president of the FIQ union, which represents many of Montreal's nurses. Joseph said her only concern with the new nursing students' volunteer work program, in fact, is that it might be so upsetting that it makes them quit the field before they even graduate. The Quebec authorities announced last week they were creating a scholarship program designed uh, to entice 2,000 nursing students to leave school for the semester, work full-time on the COVID-19 front lines, and get a bursary upon their return to university. The money is up to $13,500, is taxable, and works out to about $22.80 per hour for nearly four months of full-time work, not including overtime, if divided hourly rather than seen as a lump sum scholarship. Joseph praised the government for coming up with the idea. The eligible students are young but qualified, she said. They've already received their Deccan College nursing certification and are doing bachelor's degrees, meaning they are already, they're already licensed. Many nurses enter the field with only a deck. Quebec, however, can't afford to lose more trained nurses, nor now or in the coming years, Joseph said. The loss of staff is making a major difference uh, between nurses' stress level during the first wave and their stress now. She said it has created a vicious cycle. In September, the FIQ said that 1,700 Quebec nurses had already quit since March. Uh, that means, so for scholarship students will be able to pick up the first-come, first-served basis, it's vital that the province think about this, even in the midst of a crisis. 
and um, and some Canadian snowbirds are chartering private planes to head to Florida during the winter, where anyone over 65 is able to get vaccinated for COVID-19 right now. Ontario couple Anne and Ralph say they've traveled south for the winter for several years, and despite travel advisories from the federal government, decided this year would be no different. Annie explained in a telephone interview with CTV News from Florida that lockdowns in Ontario had left them cooped up in their home during the colder months. The couple has asked CTV not to use their names to preserve privacy. However, Florida adjusted its vaccination plan in December to include a non um Citizens, seniors age 65 or older in the first phase of the inoculations with the only uh, requirement being identification to receive a shot at no cost. The change in criteria has since increased demand, prompting long lineups and difficulties booking appointments in the state. Arizona health officials have also confirmed that snowbirds will be eligible to receive the vaccine as local residents of the same age and health category. Ralph explained that the couple had to fly south for their mental well-being, but says the potential of getting vaccinated soon so soon against the novel coronavirus was an added incentive. When the opportunity came up to buy seats on a private jet, the couple decided traveling to the U.S. amid the pandemic would be worth it. The couple flew with four other passengers on a private flight with Momentum Jets, which charters jets and has recently started selling individual seats on them amid a spike in demand for snowbirds looking to travel south. We've had a huge demand over the past three weeks. It's been consistent flow of, of inquiries that we're trying to pair people up right now uh, on flights just to keep it even more safe within their travel bubble. James Brin, vice president of the Moment, uh, Momentum Jet said in an interview, Brin explains that flying private means Canadians can bypass airport security lines and busy boarding gates, limiting their exposure to others. As well, everyone who flies with the company is required to provide proof of a negative COVID test before takeoff. Brent noted that customers don't always disclose their reason for flying, but said about 20 passengers have confirmed that they were flying to Florida to get the COVID-19 vaccine. She added that inquiries have been increased since mid-December. With the purchase, with purchasing individual seats on a private plane is more affordable than chartering the entire jet. Brian says a seat can be can set someone back $2,500 to $4,000 depending on the size of the aircraft. She added the private flights have have been locked. For, have been booked for the sole purpose of getting the COVID-19 vaccine with private charters costing anywhere from 25000 up to 80000 per trip. While traveling to get COVID-19 vac- vaccine may be worth it to some, Toronto-based travel insurance broker Martin Firestone says there are still major risks with traveling abroad during a global pandemic. My biggest concern um, is that is not the plane or getting COVID on the plane. My worry is access to the hospital down there once you're there for the the thing for the things that always went wrong. And that's why you bought travel insurance, broken hips, car accidents, stroke, heart attack. However, he says people are jetting off anyways. Firestone who caters to Canadian snowbirds estimates that approximately thirty percent of his clientele traveled to Florida in November and says he has seen an additional 10% in inquiries in the last two weeks since Florida adjusted its vaccine requirements. And two major pediatric hospitals in the Montreal area are reporting a large and worrying increase in the number of children who have been injured while sledding in recent weeks. The Montreal Children's Hospital and the McGill University Health Center indicated on Friday that 70 children checked into the emergency room for injuries related to sledding between December 8, 2020 and January 3, 2021. It's the same number 
for the entire se some uh, season, some years, the hospital said. By comparison, the highest number of cases recorded during the same period in the children's was seen in 2004 when 50 children were injured. Emergency physicians from the St. Justin Hospital have treated 45 children who were injured, sledding since December 31st. The two hospitals point out that there's a lack of alternative activities due to COVID-19 restrictions. Injuries include concussions, sometimes severe fractures, abdominal or pelvic injuries, and lacerations. Data provided by the Montreal Children's Hospital shows that almost half of the injuries occurred in a collision with an object, such as a tree, rock, or fence, and that 38% of the victims were under six years old. Over 95% of the victims were not wearing a helmet at the time of the accident. In addition to wearing a helmet, hospitals recommend, among other things, sledding in safe areas free of obstacles, checking the condition of the slopes before setting off, and never head down the hill head first or standing up. Also, hospitals urge parents to, uh, urge parents to not allow a child under five to sled alone, and since many injuries occur in the afternoon or evening, it's recommended to sled during the day. Meantime, a judge has ordered a Quebec man found guilty of murdering two people in 2017 to serve 25 years in prison before he's eligible for parole. Superior Court Justice Miriam Lachance delivered her ruling today in court in Saint-Jérôme, Quebec, about 60 kilometers north of Montreal. A jury found Hugo Fredette guilty, 45 years old, guilty in, in October 2019 of first-degree murder in the deaths of his ex-spouse, Véronique Barbe and Yvon Lacasse, a man he killed as at a rest stop to steal his vehicle. Fredette had fled Barbe's home with a six-year-old boy who was found unharmed when he was arrested 24 hours later in Ontario. He has appealed the verdict and is seeking a new trial. A first-degree murder conviction comes with an automatic life sentence without parole for 25 years, but the Crown had asked to have the eligibility doubled to 50. Last November, the province's highest court declared the section of the criminal uh, code allowing consecutive life sentences unconstitutional following an appeal by the Quebec City mosque shooter, Alexandre Bissonnette. Fredette had also been contesting the constitutionality of multiple sentences. Fredette killed Barbe at her home by stabbing her 17 times with a knife before fleeing with the child. He later killed, uh, killed Lacan, 71 years of age, at a highway rest stop and stole his vehicle. Gender non-conforming French Canadians are finding ways to make their language more gender neutral. They created the word AL, a relatively common uh, gender neutral option, to IL and L. So it's AL. But an added change in the French nouns are also uh, gendered. For example, the sun is masculine and a chair is feminine. Amy Major Beauchamp is a transgender non binary, meaning they're not either male nor female. In English, they're pronounced. Their pronoun is they, and in French, it's el. El. Beauchamp said it was easier for them to come up to come out as non-binary in English. It's a common experience among non-binary French Canadians. Many leave their roots and turn to English as a safer passage into their identity. The switch to English is twofold. First off, the language is much less um, gendered than French. The use of the single word they as a gender-neutral pronoun dates back hundreds of years. For example, once, uh, in one sentence in French, I could have three or four gender nouns or endings, said Beauchamp. Secondly, work has already been done to neutralize gendered words. Fireman is now firefighter. Stewardess is now flight attendant. Chairman is now chairperson. And several other provinces and territories have an optional third gender marker on driver's license and health cards, allowing non-binary people to be referred to correctly when assessing provincial services. 
this isn't an option in Quebec, but French-speaking non-binary people are finding ways to work around their very gendered language. Uh, they, they say the LGBTQ and community, lesbian, the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, questioning, intersex, uh, pansexual, two-spirits, uh, sexual, the language is already changing. But they say some Quebecers do not want to, use, to see their language modernized at all. With a movement to modernize the language, uh, among language so, is strong, so is the resistance. The top authority on the French language in Quebec, the Office Québécois de la langue française, said it doesn't recognize the use of IL as a gender-neutral pronoun. In fact, it doesn't support adding new words to the language at all. Rather, it suggests people avoid using gender-specific words when speaking. And in writing, it suggests using both masculine and feminine endings together. For example, the word professeur and professeur could be written like this, professeur, and then E, and then and the words acteur and actrice uh, like this, acteur très but these endings are masculine and feminine, not general, not general neutral. And some say it's impractical and it just enforces the gender binary. Meantime, a driver lost her life after being involved in a roadside collision in Coteau de Lac, Montérégie, about 45 minutes west of Montreal Thursday night. The Sorte de Québec was called to Route 201 in the evening after receiving... Um, in the evening after receiving an accident report on the scene, police officers found the vehicle in a precarious situation with an unconscious woman behind the wheel. The car swerved off the road and the vehicle became stuck between trees and a stream. On Friday, SQ Constable Nancy Fournier added there were no signs of braking or skidding on the roadway. The woman was transported to hospital around 10.35 in critical condition. The SQ confirmed the 70-year-old woman's death. Friday morning, officers needed to perform several maneuvers to stabilize the vehicle before they were able to transport the woman to hospital. She was alone in the car. The Sur de Quebec also is asking for the public's assistance in locating a 12-year-old boy, Keiston Con Robert, a resident of Val d'Or, who has been missing since last Tuesday evening. Robert was last seen in um, Val d'Or around 6.30 Tuesday. He's traveling on foot. He's 5'2", weighs around 150 pounds, has blonde hair and brown eyes. Last Tuesday, he was wearing a black coat, jeans, and blue shoes. This is not the boy's first disappearance. The SQ reports that his relatives have reason to fear for his health and safety. Anyone who sees Robert has asked to call 911. And police have deemed the fire in a pizzeria suspicious and opened an investigation in Bobriand, north of Montreal. Bobriand police said at 5.30 a.m. Friday to avoid the area around Grand Côté Street in Bobriand as a fire broke out at Pizza Mellis and spread to the Iderson business in the strip mall. Fire under control sector to be avoided. Police said that the fire broke out around 3.30 a.m. and the firefighters were on the scene. Within two hours, crews had the fire under control. Police reported no injuries related to the fire. The pizzeria sustained heavy damage in the blaze, as did the two businesses on either side of the restaurant. Hearings for the Meantime, hearings for the coroner's public inquiry into the death of Joyce uh, Etchequan will take place from May 10th to 27th at the Jaldiet Courthouse, the Canadian press has learned. Joyce Etchequan died on September 28th at the Joliet Hospital shortly before her death. Etchequan from the uh, Atimiku community of uh, Manawan filmed herself from her hospital bed while she was insulted and degraded by a nurse and a patient attendant. She was 37 years old. The video circulated widely on social media, sparked shock and outrage, and leading a large march through Montreal in the fall under the banner Justice for Joyce. The investigation will be chaired by Gayanne 
Kamel, the coroner already in charge of the of a committee on mortality in indigenous uh, communities. The prosecutor for the public inquiry will be Dave Kimpton, supported by Julie Reberge. A public inquiry allows the coroner to summon witnesses and hear from interested parties. The lawyer for Joyce Educon's family, Jean-François Bertrand, has obtained interest party status, which allows him to question witnesses, among other things. The object of the coroner is not to rule out is not to rule on the civil or criminal liability of anyone, but rather to determine the cause and circumstances of the death and to formulate, if necessary, recommendations in order to avoid other similar deaths. And finally, with 13 days left in his term, President Donald Trump has finally bent to reality, acknowledging his electoral defeat amid growing talks in Washington of trying to force him from office early. The statement came at the end of the day when the concerned president stayed out of sight in the White House, silenced uh, on some of his favorite uh, internet lines uh, of communication while watching the resignations of several top aides, including two cabinet ministers. As officials sifted through the aftermath of the pro-Trump mob siege of the U.S. Capitol, there was a growing discussion uh, Thursday on impeaching him in a second uh, I mean, a second time or invoking the 25th Amendment to oust him from the Oval Office. Trump, who had repeatedly refused to concede the election, did so in a late Thursday video from the White House vowing a seamless transition of power. And that is news um, for today. Back with sports in a moment. Y'all ready for this? We're back with what you need to know in sports. The NHL has announced six players and two staff members with the Dallas Stars have tested positive for COVID-19. And as a result, the team will not be able to begin play before uh, January 19th. Those individuals uh, are self-isolating and following CDC and league protocols as a result of the positive tests. And an appropriate precaution, the team's training facilities have been closed effective immediately and will remain closed for several days while further test, further delay, um, daily testing and contact tracing is conducted. The NHL said in a statement, the league is in the process of reviewing and revising the Stars' regular season schedule with the exceptions that the team will not open its 2021 uh, 2020-21 season earlier than Tuesday, January 19th. The Stars were scheduled to open the season with two games on the road against the Florida Panthers, on January 14th and January 15th, and two games against Tampa on the January 17th and 19th. The Stars, Panthers, and Lightning are three of the NHL teams that will be opening their doors to a limited number of fans this season. On Friday morning, the Stars canceled team practice and all uh, media availabilities, but the team did not hold a full pra- did hold a full practice on Thursday. The Stars weren't the only team impacted by COVID-19 Friday. The Columbus Blue Jackets announced that multiple players would miss practice due to the NHL's COVID-19 protocols. The Blue Jackets had escaped without, with limited players in the morning and called, canceled the second session scheduled for this afternoon. The NHL successfully pulled off a return to playoff uh, turn, uh, tournament this past summer using secure bubbles in Edmonton and Toronto. There were no positive COVID-19 tests during recorded during these two months, and the Tampa Bay Lightning defeated the Stars to win the Stanley Cup. Now the NHL is attempting to play a shortened regular season in home markets. To limit travel, the 31 teams have been split into four divisions and will only play games against other teams in those divisions. The Stars are in the Central Division with the Panthers, Lightning, Blue Jackets, Carolina Hurricanes, Detroit Red Wings, and Nashville Predators. And now here's the reason for the Take Me Out to the Ball Game intro. Some sad news to report in the world of Major League Baseball. Tommy Lasorda, the fire 
the fiery Hall of Fame manager who guided the Los Angeles Dodgers to two World Series titles and later became an ambassador for the sport he loved during his 71 years with the franchise, has died. He was 93. The Dodgers said Friday he had a heart attack in his home in Fullerton, California. Resuscitation attempts were made on the way to the hospital, where he was pronounced dead shortly before 11 p.m. on Thursday. Lasorda had a history of heart problems, including a heart attack in 1996 that ended his managerial career and another in 2012 that required him to have a pacemaker. He had just returned home Tuesday after being hospitalized since November 8th with heart issues. Lasorda attended the Dodgers Game 6 victory over the Tampa Bay Rays on October 27th in Texas that clinched the team's first World Series title since 1988. He served in the role of special advisor to team owner and chairman Mark Walter for the last 14 years and maintained a frequent presence at game sitting in Walter's box. Lasorda worked as a player, scout, manager, and front office executive with the Dodgers dating, uh, dating to their roots in Brooklyn. He compiled a 1,599 for 1,439 record, won World Series titles in 81 and 88, four National League peanuts and eight division titles while serving a penance, sorry, penance and eight division titles while serving as Dodgers manager from 1977 to 96. He was elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame in 1997. As a manager, he guided the U.S. to baseball gold, met a medal at the 2000 Sydney Olympics. Lasorda was the franchise's longest tenured employee since Hall of Fame broadcaster Vin Scully retired in 2006 after 67 years. He drew standing ovations when introduced at games in recent years. He often proclaimed, I bled, I bled Dodger blue, and he kept a bronze plaque on his desk reading Dodger Stadium with his address, but every ballpark was his home. As a pitcher, Lasorda had a modest career at the major league level, going 0 for 4 with a 6.4 ERA and 13 strikeouts from 1954 to 56. Born Thomas Charles Lasorda on September 22, 1971, in Norristown, Pennsylvania, his pro career began when he signed with the Philadelphia Phillies as an undrafted free agent in 1945. He missed the 46 and 47 season while he was serving in the Army. Lasorda returned in 1948 and struck out 25 players in a 15-inning game. In his next two starts, he struck out 15 and 13, gaining the attention of the Dodgers, who drafted him from the Phillies. He played in Panama and Cuba before making his Major League debut on August 5, 1954, from the Brooklyn Dodgers. Although he didn't play in the 1955 World Series, he won a ring as a member of the team. Lasorda uh, pitched for the Dodgers for two seasons before the Kansas City Athletics bought his contract. He was traded to the Yankees in 1956 and sent down to the AAA Denver Bears before being sold back to the Dodgers in 1957. During his time with the Bears, Lasorda was influenced by manager Ralph Hulk. He became his role model. Lasorda stayed on with the Dodgers as a scout and then after, after they released him in 1960. That was the beginning of a steady climb through the Dodgers system that culminated in his 1973 promotion to the big league staff under longtime Hall of Fame manager Walter Alston. Lasorda spent four seasons as a third base coach while considering to be the heir apparent to Alston, who retired in September 1976. Lasorda took over, and his glorious personality was in stark contrast to the restrained predecessor. Lasorda was known for his enthusiasm and outspoken opinions to players. He would jump around and pump up his arms in the air after Dodgers' victories and embrace players in the dugout after home runs and other good plays. In L.A., Lasorda found many of the players he had managed in the minors, including Steve Garvey, Ron, uh, Ron Kay, Davey Lopez, Bill Russell, Bobby Valentine, and Bill Buckner. As beloved as Lasorda was publicly behind the scenes, he was known for cussing a blue streak with reporters, rendering many of his quotes unusable.
and uh, he is uh, in 1998 sort of became interim general manager after Fred Clare was fired in the middle of the season. He resigned from that job after the season and was appointed senior vice president after the team was sold in 2004 to Frank McCourt. Lasorda became special advisor to the chairman and maintained a busy schedule of travel and public appearances on behalf of the club until his death. Lasorda had a heart attack during a 2012 trip to New York to represent the Dodgers at the Major League Draft. He had a pacemaker implanted and it was replaced five years later. He survived by his his he survived by Joe, his wife of 70 years. The couple lived in the same modest home in Fullerton for 68 years. They have a daughter, Laura, and a granddaughter, Emily. The couple's son, Tom Jr., died in 1991 of age-related complications. And that's what you need to know in sports. Rest in peace, Tommy. Uh, and we'll be back with What's On My Mind in just a moment. And we are back with what is on my mind for today, January 8th, 2021. Um, I still have to reiterate, it is a mistake for Jean-Francois Robert and the Quebec government, CAC government, to reopen the schools right now with the coronavirus. You think students in grades one and two and up will wear masks? Give me a break. The teachers are going to have a hard time getting them to keep their masks on. Uh, it is it's a crazy decision. Schools should be uh, put to online right away. They shouldn't be closed until the cases go down drastically. Uh, also, uh, like we have, like I mentioned, tomorrow as of uh, 8 p.m., uh, we'll be under curfew. Nobody allowed in the streets in Quebec as of 8 p.m. until 5 in the morning, and um, uh, which they say will lower uh, and decrease cases, and that remains to be seen. Another thing that I want to also touch on, of course, President Donald Trump has acknowledged that he will um, lead a peaceful transition to power to Joe Biden. He said in a statement he condemns the uh, the riots in the Capitol and those who uh, those who are caught will be punished. And um, he had tweeted out this morning that he will not be at uh, Joe Biden's inauguration, which is a good move. It'd be cause too much uh, controversy. But he says that their journey is his journey is not over. So we'll see what he is going to do. And uh, I thought since this week uh, marks the 23rd anniversary of the famous 1998 ice storm, I thought that um, I would take you back and talk about the 1998 ice storm where so many people in Ontario and Quebec lost power. And uh, I'm going to also share with you how I found out about the ice storm in the morning. I used to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning to go to high school and the alarm clock went off. I would get up, put on my school uniform. And as I'm putting on my school uniform, I would always look out the window. And I see that the street lights were completely off and it was dark. So I said to my mom, there's something wrong. The street lights are out. She says, put on the radio, CJAD. As soon as I put on CJAD, Dave Fisher announced the PSBGM at the time, now it's the, it's the uh, English Montreal School Board, was closed, meaning my sister had no school, but my school, as I went to a different uh, high school, was still open. But my mom elected the first day to keep me home because of the ice. She says, the first day, well, I'll keep you home. It's not safe to go. 
However, I did walk the streets, met my friends at the park just for a minute, uh, for a few minutes, and there was ice on the, the fence, and we were knocking the ice, and the ice would fall down, and as we were, we were in the park, from the forest behind the Pirelli Trudeau Park, which was the Centennial Park in Cote St. Luke, the trees were falling left, right, and center. We hear bang, bang, and, and, the, and a tree, we look over and a tree was falling down. It was crazy. It was scary. I lost power for five minutes um, in the, uh, uh, during the ice storm. Uh, the second day, my school still wasn't closed. So my mother says, you have no choice. You have to go. I went to the school only to stay 20 minutes and be sent back home because nobody showed up to school. By the third day, my school was announced on the, uh, on the radio and um, notable. Uh, and, uh, of course, that radio station ended up getting their towers knocked out. Uh, the CFMB station, the multicultural station, um, allowed the CJD to use their old tower at 14.10 a.m. because the CJD tower was knocked out. So they had to um, to improvise. And that led to Jim Duff, who was doing the afternoon ri drive with Duff, um, to leave CJAD and jump over and do the morning drive with Duff on CIQC at, at 600 because he, in protest, after he felt that um, they should convert the sister station, Mix 96, now Virgin Radio at the time, to all news. They just merged the news and had like hourly newscasts, but he uh, felt they should have gone all news. So he left and went to CIQC and became the morning man. Uh, as the uh, many of my friends have lost power, I ended up taking in uh, a friend of mine and his parents uh, who had no power. People had no power for weeks on end. Uh, we lost power for five minutes. Uh, when we, the day we invited uh, my friend and his parents to stay with us, uh, they came and we were, uh, I was in the bedroom listening to music with my sister and my friend. And all of a sudden, and the, the, there was a knock at the door and it was the police who were asking uh, somebody who has the space to take in the elderly who have no uh, power uh, in their buildings, and just as they were doing that, the uh, power went off. So my friend took a flashlight because uh, and escorted them downstairs. And then, about not even five minutes later, the uh, power came back. Um, and we suspect is because we were um, uh, we were on the same line as the Mount Sinai Hospital. Uh, so uh, we felt that they that that was more than likely why we didn't uh, end up losing power, but they they were shutting power off to turn power on they were asking people to lower the power minimize the power to their uh, to their houses uh, and it was a very uh, hard time at the beginning of the ice storm i remember the before waking up to the street lights being turned off i was um, i went to centennial park Pirelia trudeau there was uh, a scrabble club that uh, was there that I was a part of. Um, uh, yes, I was a, <laughs> a geek in school. Um, and but we did, my friend and I decided we were going to play outside. And it started the freezing rain. We couldn't understand. We were looking at our coats. They were all full of ice. My friend who had spiky hair at that point <laughs> had uh, ice in his hair. We couldn't. We didn't, couldn't understand. I got home. My mother saw the the ice on me and the 
they're wet and she says get in the bath get in the shower so i took a shower and uh, the next day we didn't go to school it was and actually it was one day after the return from the christmas holidays we were back one day and then had another two-week holiday uh, the the um the schools reopened on January 19th. I was hoping the schools wouldn't open until after my birthday on January 25th, but that wasn't uh, to be. I was 16 years old at the time. I was going to turn 16, and it was unbelievable. We were nobody, you know, the people were without power. There was uh, people in the building across from us lost power you know, eight, seven, eight hours. They tried. They kept trying to restore it. It was a uh, a disaster. And that's why, and I don't know why they still haven't done it, people were pushing in Quebec to put the um, electrical lines underground, but so far, nada. Um, so, but uh, they have done some of the work, but they had to replace all the towers and made them stronger so they wouldn't tip over because the main source of the power failures was the power stations, all the, all the power stations toppled because of the freezing rain uh, and the ice on the trees, branches uh, fell, causing power lines to be snapped. Uh, the winds tarnished uh, the um, some of the metal structures of the power in some power stations. Just a unbelievable um, thing to have happened, the famous 1998 ice storm. We haven't anything yet that has come close to the ice storm, and they blame uh, El Nino, the, um, the global warming effect El Nino, uh, that, uh, because of the ice storm, it uh, ice was everywhere. People were getting hurt. Uh, people were confined to their homes, especially the elderly, and it was not uh, not a pretty sight. The whole of Montreal was a skating rink. You couldn't get anywhere. The trees, some streets were blocked because trees were down. Um, the some the the thing that that compares to it in the way of damage might have been the microburst, where some streets. And then DG were uh, the, the, were closed because trees had fallen down um, because that was the center of the microburst and all the trees in the NDG Park were closed uh, were were um, uh, have, had fallen. They closed off the park because it was a danger. So um, that's only comparable. But the ice storm was uh, was not uh, was not fun. I mean, for the for the kids it was fun because there was no school. People, the kids would still go out. And, and sled, the schools couldn't open because there was no power uh, in some of them. That was the a main issue. Uh, and the ones that had power, the students didn't show up because either they didn't have power and, uh, you know, and they couldn't get to school on public transportation. People were afraid of getting hurt. So um, it was a interesting situation. I remember that uh, for the rest of my life, one day, having an extended vacation one day after uh, one day after the Christmas vacation, um, we ended up with a longer vacation because of the ice storm. Because we, again, we were not prepared. It seems that Montreal and Quebec are not prepared for anything. We weren't prepared uh, for the pandemic. Uh, bad decisions were made on the um, on the at, the at the beginning to allow nurses to go from nursing home CHSLD to CHSLD, not realizing that they could spread uh, the virus because they just need they just thought of the didn't think of the bigger picture. They thought that they need, they're short-staffed. People needed help, and look what happened. Um, they were now they have to get on it with the vaccines. Um, they were light with the curfew, um, light with the with the restrictions. 
uh, I saw this coming in around Christmas time. First, they said, yes, you'll be permitted to visit and do Christmas for the maximum number of people. They opened their mouth before, um, uh, you know, they should have made this uh, announcement and waited till a couple of weeks before Christmas. Then they turned around and uh, changed core, reverse course and said, no, no gatherings, only sp somebody who lives alone, like a grandparent, can join the bubble of the family, which was a mistake. And he has said that it's up to the public to enforce, to, to respect the laws. The, the police cannot police everybody. Essentially opening the door and without saying it, uh, allowing people to visit people's houses, uh, implying that, that was dangerous. And of course, it spiraled, so they had no choice to implement a curfew. There are still some manufacturing uh, plants that are open uh, that have online um, uh, shipping, but all essential businesses are closed. And again, don't forget, tomorrow night, uh, there will be a curfew starting at 8 p.m. in Quebec, uh, in Montreal, of course, as well. At 8 p.m., everybody has to be at home. Supermarkets and dépanneurs will close at uh, 8, uh, close at 7.30 to allow their, their um, uh, employees to get home. But um, at 8 p.m., you cannot be on the street, according to um, to uh, Guilbeault, uh, Geneviève Guilbeault, the Minister of Public Security. She says that in order uh, that if you get caught on the street after 8 p.m., you'll have to prove why you're there, show a badge for work um, or a receipt if you've come from a pharmacy. So that is uh, that is it. And some breaking news here today, some breaking news that just came in. Um, several gatherings are planned across Quebec on Saturday in protest of the province's new 8 p.m. curfew. People are preparing to gather at 7.30 in several locations, including in Montreal, to hold a march uh, extending into the night. In a statement posted into social media, the group responsible for planning the gatherings called the end, of the state, uh, end to the state of emergency, writing that they stand against curfews and abusive measures. Saturday will mark the first day of Quebec's new curfew policy unveiled by the, Saturday, the province on Wednesday in an effort to contain the explosive spread of COVID-19. Since the announcement, since that announcement, more than 5,000 cases of the novel coronavirus have been recorded in Quebec. Uh, as of Friday afternoon, approximately 300 people RSVP to the event, spanning several regions. At least 15 other cities are expected to see demonstrations on Saturday, including Quebec City, Sherbrooke, and Trois-Rivières. Protesters will likely face fines under the new measures. While demonstrators are still allowed by the province, they must take place before 8 p.m., and attend, the attendees must be wearing masks. Anyone caught outside after 8 p.m. without a valid reason for being there, such as a personal emergency or a note from work, can be fined between $1,000 and $6,000. Though the curfew applies across the province, just how it is enforced is expected to vary by region. In a Thursday uh, press conference, Deputy Premier Geneviève Guilbeault said the province is giving agency uh, to local uh, police responsible for handing out tickets. Police are used to showing uh, uh, judgment and discriminant, said Guilbeault. Well, Montreal Police Department did not immediately comment on the events planned for Saturday. It vowed to deploy necessary staff for the rigorous application of a curfew measures in a Thursday press release. At least one of the groups responsible for organizing the events was also involved in other anti-lockdown demonstrations in the province. So it looks like that uh, there's going to be a protest, which I saw coming as well. Now, 
and like uh, yesterday when I uh, when I uh, compared it to the Red Square protest, um, it's uh, it's it's crazy. Um, people, uh, you know, I, I compared it to the um, the protest the the Red Square protests where a lot of people are going to are going to get fined, but they're going to contest the tickets and they're going to they're going to contest the tickets and they're going to um, clog up the uh, justice system, like I said, because you remember the red squares. People were all over the place. They were they had tried a strategy where they boxed in uh, everybody. You couldn't leave and gave tickets. You know, they put people on buses, gave them tickets, and then uh, let them go. And everybody contested those tickets, and it was thrown out by the court because it saturated the court. That's going to happen again. People are going to to protest and probably really hard. The riot police will more than likely have to intervene in those situations. Um, so it's gonna it might be it might be ugly, um, you know, uh, it, and it's just gonna show. And if 300 people are SVP, that's quite a bit. I expect more people to do so. And uh, uh, I suggest that the riot police get ready because they're gonna need to be out on. Uh, tomorrow night, uh, because I'm sure the the protesters will not stand just for the regular police. Um, that's why I'm comparing it to the Red Square uh, movement, the Red Square student protest in 2012, where so many tickets were given out, uh, they had to clog the system because everybody contested those tickets, and uh, it would have clogged up the um, the justice system for years to come. Uh, so. Um, that is about it for what you need to know for today and um, uh, for today. And that's what is on my mind. So don't forget tomorrow at 8 uh, p.m. We will have a curfew in Quebec. After 8 p.m. you cannot go out and uh, until 5 in the morning. And we will leave you now with a song called Five O'Clock in the Morning, a song from T-Pain featuring Wiz Khalifa and Lily Allen. We will see you back here Monday for another edition of The Stew Effect. I'm Stuart Myers saying ciao for now. It's five o'clock in the morning The conversation got boring You said you'd go into bed soon So I snuck off to your bedroom and I thought I'd just wait there uh, Until I heard you come up the stairs uh, And I pretended I was sleeping uh, And I was hoping you It's five o'clock in the morning And I want you And you want me Don't you? I can see it You've been waiting on me since I said that I was hitting the club Something coming up on me And I know you be getting so horny Cause you be sending me texts Like boys, just get your ass up in that car and come get all of this love You ain't gotta remind me She already said if I don't come on time She might go crazy And she'll be waiting on me naked with one of my chains on She might come and find me Wake up singing the same it's song It's o'clock in the morning yeah. Conversation got boring Talk to me, girl. You said you'd go into bed soon Let's go. So I snuck off to your bedroom Come 
conversation got boring You said you're going to bed soon So I snuck up to your bedroom And I thought I'd just wait there Until I heard you come upstairs And I pretend that I was sleeping And I was hoping you was creeping It's five o'clock in the morning And you calling And these females got me stalling I can hear your voice in my head my cell phone and these missed calls you texting me like i'ma kill y'all if you don't get your ass up out of that club and do you know one time it is it's five o'clock in the morning oh my bad girl this new boy got me tripping and i know that you mad girl but you ain't gotta worry about nothing girl i got you girl i got you she might come and find me That I left over your house the last time I came and put it on ya Too many thirsty girls up in this club For me to leave here with one of them That's why I call her And you'll be right at home waiting for me iPhone plugged in the wall just waiting for me Club close at 6, left around 4.30 yeah, So by the time I'm at your crib It's 5 o'clock in the morning And you yawning But I've been drinking all night and I feel like performing With you in the bedroom Floor to the dresser, don't want nothing less Cause I'm sure you're the best, you're the one So I let you That's how you show me love And when we finish you like, damn babe, you woke me up I love the way you put it down like it's for both of us The sun ain't the only thing that's coming up It's 5 o'clock in the morning 